Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Hi there. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good evening. Exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking about us being a space shuttle, like wandering around the earth and just, you know, checking in with all time zones and saying, hey there, how you doing? I quite like that, actually. I know. Would you go into space if you could? <gasps> you know, this is the weird thing. I actually would not. I would be like, let all the other idiots get out of this planet. And I'm just going to stay right here. <laughs> <laughs> just leave me to the planet, everybody. Absolutely. You go fi- go off and find Mars. I'm going to be right here. I'm going to go in the Amazon and just hang out with the plants and the animals. Yeah. Well, I, I got quite excited when they were talking about space travel, when they actually talked about just going up to the edge of the earth and then being able to quickly nip to like the southern hemisphere and go on holiday super quick now that was my kind of space travel oh yeah Mm. yeah because i think it's about like full-on 18-hour flight to get to sydney from here yeah i think you'd really want to get there a bit quicker if you could yeah absolutely yeah although i do have to worry about like carbon emissions i imagine like the jet fuel to get to the edge of the atmosphere would be super inefficient Mm. Yeah. Well, let's not worry about that just yet. Well, okay, you're <laughs> Let right. Let me just have my daydream for That's a moment. Absolutely. <laughs> actually, our friends of ours are are actually in New Zealand for the winter because oh, they're nice. going back to visit their family. And um, my gosh, I'm thinking, would it not be nice to be in New Zealand right now and to be able to pop there like kind of quickly? Yes. <gasps> yes. Ooh, Especially yeah. as they're COVID free. I mean, yes. Yes. Now, of course, now they're, they're, I'm sh- if anybody from New Zealand is listening, they're like, okay, come on, you guys, keep your COVID out of our country. We've, we've made all these sacrifices. Don't you be coming over here. Oh, my gosh. It's people like us who are like, oh, look at them. They're COVID free. Let's pop on by. <laughs> guys, I like to think I'm COVID free, too. See, that is on a personal level. I barely leave my house, Anna. I know, I know. But, you know, that is the cognitive dissonance that is leading to the global spread of COVID because everyone's like, no, no, it's not me or my family. We're clean. It's all those dirty buggers down the road. That's the thing. It's always (laughs) absolutely. I can't tell you how many people I've heard from who their entire family got COVID uh, as they gathered for Christmas. Like the uh, multiple stories of this. Mm. Yeah. So... I'm going to dream about New Zealand, but just to anybody who's tuning in from New Zealand, I promise you, I'm not coming over. I promise yeah, we you. promise we're not traveling. We are going nowhere. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> Firmly in our living rooms. I mean, yeah. So I'm going to do the whole Toronto trip again in, next week. I'm going yeah. to uh, Toronto to work uh, in a clinic, and so I'm going to have to do the whole quarantine thing. So I think the next recording is going to be in quarantine. <gasps> yes, you will. You will. We'll be right there with you, Anna. Oh, thank you. I'm going to need it. Spurring you on. Don't well, this, you worry. This is going to be hard. I'm going to be in a basement apartment in the middle of winter in Toronto. Oh, my God. Mm. What am I doing to myself? Hopefully you get some nice snowy scenes to keep you going. Exactly. And I'm this time I'm bringing my dog yeah. for some company. So her and I are going to sit out the quarantine. Going on a road trip. 
Absolutely. It's a girly road trip. Yep. Me and Excellent. my dog. Excellent. It's like Thelma and Louise. <laughs> you stay away from the edge of the cliff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to try to tell my dog not to like hold up any convenience stores. Yes. <laughs> but she's a bit of a wild one. So <laughs> it's always a tricky one. So how are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Very um, good. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, continuing my yoga, although I haven't yet done it today because I've had a really busy morning um, with some client calls and some other meetings that I had. So it's not quite been done yet, but it is going to be done because I know how important it is. That's amazing. That's good for you. So there's commitment for you. That's commitment. And that's the thing you need to get over that inertia because you're never going to feel like it. Yeah. But once you start doing it. Yeah, you have to focus on how you feel at the end of it, not how you feel going into it. Oh, I love it. Yes, yes, mm. that is huge. It's my top advice. Very good. I love that very so, much. Yeah. The uh, sun's shining here in Jersey today. <gasps> oh, yay. Which is very good after some horrendous rain at the weekend. Oh, my gosh. But no, the sun's shining. Life is good. As yeah. good as it can be when there's nothing going on. Yeah, <laughs> gosh. And if I may say, like, I, we're, we're really in the darkness of winter. And I, I realize that this whole, like, COVID insanity is really getting to me. I don't know if it's getting to everyone mm. else, but where I'm, and I don't really even notice why I'm so, like, down about life in general. And, and actually now, I, you know, as I was saying, I'm rethinking my life. Like, what do I want to do? What's mm. the next chapter? And I think that COVID is really informing that. So it's really getting yeah. under my skin. Yeah, I don't think you're alone. There's a lot of conversations at the minute about how people are just bored and bored of it. We're just sick of it. So I just think it's that whilst we know this is where we are and this is where we've got to be, it is that I'm okay with it because I'll have to be, but it is just that boredom. And as you say, there's a lot of people are starting to really rethink who they are and what they want from the next, you know, 10, 20 years of their life. Yes. Mm. We're all in it together. Yeah. Right. So after that mood buster, I think. (laughs) Well, let's bring it up a sec. And I'm going to tell, I have to issue a retraction. I'm extremely embarrassed about this, Sarah. Let me tell you. So in our last episode, I alleged that there were two large home gardening, no, home construction. DIY. DIY stores? Yeah, DIY stores. Absolutely. Mm. There's two stores, Home Depot and Lowe's. And I told everyone that the whole story about that was that the jilted ex-wife of the owner of Home Depot took her divorce settlement and set up a competing set of stores that she would park right Mm. next door to her ex-husband's. So here's the thing. It was a total urban legend, total lie. This doesn't no exist. Way. I, oh, yeah. I did a fact check because I, I, oh. I when I said this, because I'm a scientist, right? So whenever I allege something or whenever I quote <laughs> something, I always have to go back to the original sources and just say, Anna, is this correct? And so I actually, and it's up on a website as a, her, uh, this Snopes website as an urban legend, totally doesn't happen. And the history of both companies traces back like some 50, 70 years, totally different founders. But because these two stores happen to be set up there's a pattern of them being set up close by. I think somebody just made up this rumor and yeah. it spread like wildfire. So guys, I'm sorry to say retraction, fake news, oh. but didn't we want it to be true? There, There is a lot of me that wanted it to be true. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like a little tiny bit of drama? <laughs> oh gosh, it is, it is. I think it was more like power to her for just saying, do you know what? I've put up with your shit for all these years. Yeah. I'm not going to do it anymore. Although I can't really condone revenge, but there was a little bit that was like, It was mm, sweet. Fair play. 
Well, you know what is also sweet? So here is something I know to be true. So mm. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, yes. his wife has very publicly, they've divorced. And yeah. she's taking her billions of dollars in settlement yeah. and she's chucking it around like it's leaves in autumn. Yeah. And she is giving her money away. And actually, if if there be any sweet revenge, it is that, which mm. is, I'm just going to blow this money and give it to people and distribute the yeah. wealth. And apparently he's a bit pissed about it. But again, yeah. who knows if that's true or not? Ah, see, that may be the urban mm. legend, but I would like it to be true. Yeah. I'd like Jeff yeah. Bezos to be a little pissed off. <laughs> I'd like him to be like losing a bit of sleep. That would <laughs> make me happy. So yeah, you can always oh. turn things around when you're going through yes. the worst of days, the worst of breakups. Opportunity can come out of anywhere. It can indeed. Yeah. It can. So what's shaken at the International Desk of Love? Miss Correspondent. Well, today, Anna, I've got a little treat for you because <gasps> oh, it's been a, a while since we've had any sexy, sexy time on oh, the podcast. Oh, you know it. Oh, you <laughs> know it. Oh, my gosh. How did you know that I would need a pick me up? So Sarah, this is great. I thought, let's get a little sexy story on for, <laughs> let's uh, get for sexy. Anna so that we can just maybe try and ignite oh, a little something in you and the listeners. So today, reporting from the International Love Correspondence Desk, we have five mind-blowing benefits of morning sex. <gasps> Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. So let's spice things up a little bit for you. Nice, so, yeah. There are apparently some serious wins to be had from morning sex. Mm -hmm. So number one, it reduces stress. Ah. Oh. So yes. what a better way to start the day than releasing those stress-reducing hormones to put you in a good mood for the day. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. So number two, it also re releases some happy hormones. Yes. So it can put a little spring in your step as you go about your day. Yes. So the oxytocin or the cuddle hormone is yes. released during morning sex. Yeah. Which then stimulates the secretion of dopamine. Yes. Oh, very good. Yeah. That is wonderful, Sarah. I was going to sort of like go in there, but no, you've got it. You've got oh, it. I, I tell you, there's more than one ah, doctor in the house today. Absolutely. <laughs> sweet. Dr. Sarah's in the house. <laughs> yeah. So your body is more ready. So apparently it's more ready in the morning than it actually is in the in the evening. Specifically men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they found that the libido is affected by the hormone levels. Yeah. And um, the higher they are, then the more turned on you feel. Mm -hmm. And luckily, in the morning, there's actually more of that present in the body. And testosterone in particular, for sure. Yeah. So dudes yeah. tend to be morning people. Uh, that can actually be a little tricky, though, because women can often be evening people. So that mm. actually provides a really nice opportunity to start to notice that there may be some differences in libido, but by the circadian clock. And so what may happen is the one person who's la high libido may work with the other person to sort of figure out, well, how do we bring both of us into the mood at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So number four is it's a workout. Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah, so studies have shown that men burn 101 calories on average during a 24-minute sex session, mm -hmm. while women burn 69 calories. We're clearly not doing enough work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's true. Oh gosh, I mean, it is true. And it depends on your positions. It depends on sort of what you're yeah. doing. Mm. But yeah, that is true. But hey, it's not bad. It's better yeah. than zero. 
It is. Right? So it says not quite as much as a morning run, but it is significantly better than a lion. Yes, I like it. So a good way to start the day. So number five is it can strengthen your relationship. So sex yeah. isn't just about receiving or giving pleasure um, for couples. It is about feeling connected and expressing love for each other mm-hmm. and a way to let go of the daily stressors and just have some fun. Mm, yes, yes, Who yes, doesn't yes. need a little bit of that in Yeah, there? absolutely. And listen, without that connection, you can be pretty mighty snippy at each other. Mm-hmm. We all know like that snippiness that happens when you haven't connected sexually. So like have a good old morning romp. And then you might be very surprised to see like how nice your partner is for the remaining day. Exactly. So there you go. Some five Ah. benefits there to having sex in the morning. Well, you didn't disappoint. That was right up my alley. It's definitely Mm. what I needed on this cold January day. Yeah. Mm. You can uh, have a little think about what you want to do tomorrow morning when you wake up. Yeah. (laughs) Some ideas are coming to mind. (laughs) That is awesome. All righty. So... Shall we check out a hot topic, do you think? Yeah, let's meander. Let's so today we have got co-parenting. Oh. And we're going to have a little chat about how to get co-parenting right. Oh my gosh. Okay, this is a hot topic indeed. It is a hot topic oh. and I know that this is a challenge for a lot of people, yeah. especially we know at this time of year people are kind of, there's a higher amount of people that are entering into separation, yeah. divorces and starting to tackle this subject for the first time. Yeah. I know from chatting to some clients, some people get stuck in this cycle for 10 years and they oh. still find it really difficult to co-parent. Yes. Because the other person still presses their buttons and can still trigger emotional reactions in them. Yes. And the, you know, the children are the ones that are caught in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. it is a really difficult subject. It can be difficult to get right because mm-hmm. we're, because of the emotional state that we enter into this period in, yeah. I think can make it very challenging. I think society also sets us up for failure because that mm. emotional state we enter is built by the stereotypes of what should Mm. happen so in every aspect of pop culture whether it be movies we all see these horror stories about like the worst co-parenting ever yeah nobody is sort of taught by our society to go in keep an open mind and maybe it'll work out just fine like says nobody ever Mm. society has done you no favors in helping you to see the best case scenario yeah and i think the other thing to add is that co-parenting is like any other relationship Mm. and relationships aren't just magically formed and co-parenting arguably is even less likely to have any kind of magic formula to it because you are coming at it from a often a place of hurt upset shame guilt Mm. there's a lot of emotional feelings that are in almost in a cocktail shaker and then you're trying to navigate something that is actually both massively important but also can be really challenging situation that you've then got to navigate from a place when you're potentially at quite a low position emotionally and you've got quite low levels of emotional energy at that point yeah so is it any wonder that people then go into it in with the wrong starting position and things don't work out and then 
I think you can almost get backed into a corner, which is really difficult to come out of. Yeah, it yeah. might mean kind of backing down or admitting that you've done something wrong or oh. changing the way you are or the way that you react to something. Oh my gosh, which from your ex-partner is the last thing that you want to hear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, nobody wants to apologize to the ex. <laughs> oh, no. That's, that, the great thing is, it's like, that's a known fact. Yeah. Come hell or high water, I'm going to demonstrate I was right all along. Yes, yes, yeah. And then the kids sort of get caught up on that battleground. Yeah. So what are the common yeah. issues that you find really bring out the drama? Oh, where do we start? I think patterns of behavior really play out here. Mm. I think there's this real strong sense of I need to be right and I need you to know I'm right. Mm -hmm. I think that can often play out. I think we can fail to understand the other person. Mm. So we're so busy trying to get ourselves heard and get our own message heard. We don't even listen. Yeah. Even worse often than kind of when you were together. Yeah. There's almost like a survival instinct that can take over. Oh. So we get into that real, I've got to fight for my own justice. Oh, Yeah, okay. there's some real... Can you describe that more? Yeah, so it's almost, so you're separating a partnership that's potentially been in existence for a while. So, yeah. you know, if you're co-parenting, you're generally going to have had, well, obviously you've got children together. Yeah. So you've got children together, you'll have had nine months to produce, you know. Said child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you'll have had some time together. So, you know, you're going to be talking about at least a couple of years, but often in a lot of cases, it's more seven to 10 years and longer yeah. before you kind of see that separation. So generally, you're talking about quite established relationships. Yeah. But that relationship has clearly broken down and often relationships don't break down in a in an amicable way. Mm. I mean, we sometimes see it don't in the news, people, you know, Gwyneth with a consciously uncoupling and um, <laughs> <laughs> that's generally not how we see things play out. You know, uh -huh. when we're dealing with clients and, and we see things in when we experience them with friends and from our own personal position, generally they don't break down in a nice, pleasant, charming way. Yeah. So you're coming at it with all of this angst and anger and, and sometimes bitterness about mm. what's gone on. So you're almost entering into that, you know, virtual boxing ring where you know, you need yeah. to stand your ground and stand your corner and, and make sure you, you know, you get what you need out of the future position. Yeah. And maybe some of that is because you haven't had that during the relationship. And it's kind of like, I'm done now. Now I'm going to come out fighting. Ah, yes. So we can have that suppression in the relationship that then actually it's almost like a coiled spring that just snaps and poof, away ah. I go. So I think you can get that as well. That really can show up on, on both sides. Ah, okay. Mm. And so in every area of whether you're working out the custody arrangement or where to spend holidays or how yeah. to purchase things for kids or yeah. expenses in school, so everything becomes battlegrounds. Yeah. And you're coming from a place of I all the time. Like, so it's that, well, yeah. I don't feel like this is fair. I shouldn't have to pay that. Oh. I haven't got enough money. You know, it all comes down to that place of I. So you've almost got two people that are at polar opposites. Mm. And it's like a bit of a tug of war that goes on rather than if we think about things from a compassionate point of view, mm. from a more rational point of view, when we can step out of the situation, which is super bloody difficult, yeah. and just say what's best for the children here. Because anything that happens to each of you is going to have a knock-on effect with your relationships mm. in respective households so 
if we talk like money is always a hot topic when you're co-parenting right yeah. who pays for what what's fair how much money do you earn how much money do I earn yeah. well actually you know we should both pay for them equally like you know you get all of those discussions that go on and I know people who are in relationships second time around where the partner's still paying a lot for the you know towards the their children and the new partner thinks it's unfair and you get all these different oh dynamics gosh. that start coming yeah. up but you know if we go down to the grassroots of it if one party is financially penalized to the point where they can't do anything else in their life then that can then be a challenge for that household and it's mm. not always going to be the happiest of households because of that because there's going to be this extra pressure so when we get trapped in this place of I and coming from this focus of I, it's trying to shift the focus and place the energy on what is best for the family unit. Mm. So when you're co-parenting, you're still a family unit, even though mm. you are in separate houses and you've got separate living arrangements. There is still that family unit that's still present and mm. will be present for quite some time. So focusing on what is important for us as a family mm -hmm. and how do we achieve that and that focus there, that's Nirvana. That's where you want to get to. Yeah. Can you walk me through a scenario where that may play out? It's kind of putting you on the spot there. But if there's sort of a tricky situation that has you like rolling your eyes, like, oh my gosh, this thing, what might be a way of sort of processing you through to that moment from the I to the we? Mm. So I've seen this in the past where people straight away, as soon as they kind of separate, the children become almost a commodity and a bit mm. of a bargaining chip and mm. they become almost a possession mm -hmm. of the parents. So you, you can get a tug of war between that. You know, let's say one parent says, well, I'm having sole custody or I'm going to have mm. the majority of the share. So we come at it from an I position mm. because... We're used to having the children 100% of the time because we're used to being in a family unit. So the mm -hmm. thought of not spending 100% of your time with your children is quite challenging. Oh, yeah. And I think particularly, you know, from a maternal mothering point of view, that can be oh, quite yeah. a difficult situation. So we can come from that place of, I don't want to miss out on anything and I mm -hmm. want to spend all of my time with the children. But if we can reshift that focus to children, and it has been proven scientifically that children need two parents and will thrive and and benefit from having two parents in their life so mm. we know that's not always possible there's lots of single parents I myself was from a single parent family mm. so it's not always possible but where there's an option that's always going to be the best place to be and the, the children still mm. benefit from that even if you're in separate houses and co-parenting together wow. collectively as best you can do whilst you've got two separate houses is the mm. is the ultimate in in terms of where you want to get to for that longer term um happiness for the children mm. and for their own stability and mental development mm. so if we can move the focus from i'm going to miss out on the childhood and spending time and that mm. relationship to we will all have the best relationship if we can acknowledge that the children are going to benefit from having two parents and having two perspectives oh. the same way they would if you were under the same roof. Oh, wow. That really hits. The one thing that is, I've never heard it before, and I really have to take pauses, you know, when you enter in a co-parenting agreement, the thought of losing that 24 hours a day time with your mm. children is horrible. I mean, that's yeah. painful. And you must feel a lot of like, why do I have to give up time with my children? I should be able to mm. be with them 24-7. Yeah. 
And so what you're saying then is still making a co-parenting arrangement, despite there being separate houses, that is actually in the best interest for kids. But wow, is that painful for you? You didn't start having kids thinking that this might come to pass one day. Mm. So how big of you it is to be able to make this huge leap from I to we. Yeah, you almost have to separate your identity. So Mm. separating your identity as a human being and the feelings that you may have to the mother and or father that that responsibility that you have for another human being yeah so your personal feelings and the the wants and desires may be very different from the parental responsibility that you have to Mm. make that child's life the best that it can be is really difficult it's really challenging yeah in the best case scenario i've seen it where one parent doesn't take out all of the things they're thinking about their ex-partner they just let their kids be kids and they they think of the we when it comes to making arrangements for their kids Mm. or sorting out issues or even Mm. when their kid says things about the other parent to you to deal with that in a mature and even tone and not taking the opportunity to like go slag off the partner but there's still the I and all that hurt and all those things that you, you may not be sharing with your kid so how do you get those things vented well a really good friend, a therapist, a coach. (laughs) But I think you can shift the I to a we, but there's still going to be a lot of hurt that you may want to deal with and process offline because it's hard. Oh, completely. You know, there's, and it it may take, you know, maybe a short process, it may be really long process. But what is important is that separation from who you are to your role as a a parent. And if you can separate that and deal with them almost as if you're two different people, then you won't be passing on a lot of that negativity. You won't be transferring Mm. your thoughts through your actions and and words onto the kids. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That sounds absolutely right from my personal Mm. experiences, from professional experiences. And and it sounds hard to say, oh, you know, you you owe something to your kids. But what I will say is that if this isn't played out right, kids won't forget being used as pawns. And I, mm. as a personal thing, I will not forget being used as a pawn in my parents' relationship, marriage, yeah. and the subsequent nuclear fallout of their relationship. And mm. it forms, it will make a difference as to whether your kids will even want to have kids. Mm. Because if they've seen conflict in their lives, they may really rethink whether they want to become parents. Yeah. So this really calls for exceptional coming together. Mm. Yeah, it does. And it forms those lasting memories, doesn't it, that then creates your future. We're all the time influencing our children by forming these memories in their life that then are going to go on, you know, one way or the other to affect their future. Yeah. I do joke, you know, I'm saving up for the therapy for my kids in the future. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of hoping it doesn't come to that, but you know. Yeah. Just (laughs) even the acknowledgement, I think, means that they'll probably dodge the bullet. Yeah, I'm never 100% optimistic, let's face it. Um, <laughs> there's always a little bit squirreled away just in case. Absolutely. <laughs> Rainy but, day fun. Yeah. I, I think the thing to kind of bear in mind is that, you know, when you first split up, it's, it is a really testing time. It is emotional. There's a lot of stuff that's coming up and going on. And there's just an awful lot of baggage there that you've built up. And that won't last forever. But you will be connected with your other half for Mm. quite some time because even once you get beyond the teenage years and the, 
you know, the university stage or the, you know, college stage, them moving out, them having their own independence, them, you know, potentially getting married, having children of their own, mm. you're still always going to be connected. Mm. That doesn't go away. So mm. the more energy and effort you can put into that up front, the more you'll get onto a, an even stable relationship you'll find a level that works for you so I know people who are almost best mates with their exes and they have joint Christmases together and they go for drinks and dinner and you know even as far as on holiday together so you can have one extreme mm. to kind of the other extreme of parents that no longer even communicate except through the children yeah. so there's you know a few different spectrums there and you'll find I'm not advocating one or the other I think you know, if we go too far to the other extreme where you're not speaking, that isn't good for anybody. So you kind of want to shift along the continuum a little bit mm -hmm. because you need to find a balance where you can still have some healthy communication, where mm -hmm. you can prevent that triggering from happening, which often happens between exes. Yeah. And that is hard. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. let's just acknowledge that it is difficult. But the more you can work on it and work on yourself to be able to respond and react appropriately in those situations, the better it will be in the long run. And it's like any sort of muscle that we practice and flex, mm. the easier it will become. And you'll you'll just find a level that you're comfortable with in terms of communication, civility between you and mm. the arrangements that you can make for your family because you're still a family unit like it or not okay. <laughs> and it really like it really places at the long game when you remind us that you're there's going to be weddings there's going to be birth of grandchildren oh, yeah. hopefully i mean yeah. it is uh again there's sirens going off at the most appropriate <laughs> time to say yeah this is it's a wake-up call that you're not just going to have to deal with this co-parenting arrangement until kids turn 18 mm. done well it's for the rest of everyone's lives yeah yeah so it feels really heavy this subject and I think the reason that it feels really heavy is because it's just there's a lot of responsibility there yeah. there's a lot of emotional energy tied up in it and there's a lot of feelings like you know deep feelings that are involved yeah. and it's trying to, to do the right thing I think none of us when we set out to split up and we've got children nobody really in, intends on kind of screwing it up yeah. um some of us do a really good job of that <laughs> um but it isn't quite the intention you know if we kind of really thought about it rationally we'd say well no we want it to be harmonious as possible without you know maybe being the best friends and mm -hmm. some of you may strive to carry on being the best friends which is brilliant if that's what works for you but I think as a bare minimum you need to strive for some level yeah. of harmony in the relationship so that nobody feels you know too uncomfortable or awkward by the situation yeah and also knowing that because it is so heavy, because it takes so much out of you, because you're called to such a big task, yeah. lean into your self-care, take it easy, yeah. hire a therapist or a coach, keep your circle tight mm. uh, because you're being called to do something that counters sort of the, those feel it. You're called to not act with sort of the, the first feelings that come up, whether that's yeah. anger or mm. resentment or frustration you're being called to put those reactions aside and aim mm. for the bigger picture. Yeah. And I think one piece of advice, you know, we often don't really give advice on this. We just kind of share some ideas. But if I was going to give one piece of advice, I'd say never be afraid to stop a conversation. So if a conversation you can tell is going mm. in a direction you don't want it to, never be afraid to say, I think we should stop now and let's mm. come back in 
20 minutes, half an hour. Let's mm. discuss this again later on. But let's just take some time out because recognizing those points where it's gonna escalate and you can you can almost feel it's a bit like you know when you watch the cartoons when you were a kid and you'd see the red kind of rising up yeah. and then reaching the top of the head and then this explosion from the cartoon characters yeah. or some sort of major incident happens yeah. you can feel that in yourself we can feel the emotion kind of rising and coming up through our body and kind of then reaching the the voice with venom mm. and so before it gets to that point never be afraid to just put the brakes on and say, I really think we should pause this conversation yeah. and pick it up again. Because yeah. that time away to just settle and simmer down a bit will stand yeah. you in good stead. Oh, I like that. Press pause is a huge thing when it comes to folks dealing with anger management and so forth. And in this mm. case, it absolutely applies. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, because they're still going to... The reasons why you split up are still going to be reasons that are going to trigger you in conversations mm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, even years down the line, 10, 20 years down the line, they're still going to, they're still going to be the one person that can probably trigger and press that hot button. Yeah. So it's knowing that, it's knowing that they're always going to be that person in your life. Yeah. And yeah. stopping it, learning how to, some coping strategies to be able to prevent it mm. so you don't get that far. Yeah. I like it. And I like that you shared advice there. Uh, I know that yeah. that's not usually our lane, but sometimes we do as coaches we do kind of pop in and just say like if you know Mm. as you did could I give one piece of advice and that is sometimes really well placed exactly where people need to hear it yeah another consideration really is thinking about the long you know we talked before there about the long game how you are in it forever Mm -hmm. and I've seen this kind of a number of times where we get this kind of land grab for the kids in the beginning yeah yeah they're going to be all mine the reality is really think that through because do you really want to be a 24-7 parent all of the time with all of the challenges that it brings, you know, yeah. parenting isn't always pretty and things <laughs> yeah. come up. Um, I have two teenagers, I know that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be in that by yourself and taking full responsibility for that mm-hmm. or do you want to have some support? Do you want to be able to have some time out? And often we can feel that feels quite mean or selfish because we're going, well, I'm a parent that's what I should be doing Mm -hmm. the flip side of that actually is when you've got when you're together in the the relationship you've always got somebody you can tag team in Mm. because you're in the same house and you're living together and you're you're living and breathing it together when you're um, in separate houses you haven't got somebody that can tag team in so if you're on duty all of the time as a parent that's really tiring so if you do you know opt for a fair amicable split when it comes Mm -hmm. to those separate arrangements not only do you help your children have a relationship with the other parent you Mm -hmm. also allow some tag team time out for yourself to recuperate so that you're in the best possible shape when it comes to your turn to parent again Mm -hmm. now that's brilliant I don't think that people often see that side Mm. Look, if there is an abusive situation where one of the parents was or is frankly abusive, that is an an instance where everyone, including courts, may decide that it's best for the other parent to take full custody. Absolutely. But I have seen where people really blow that out of proportion, where just because that partner has been hurtful, maybe they had an affair, maybe they lost interest in the relationship, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad parent. Yeah. And some will actually make a co-parenting arrangement work, knowing that it is good for the other for the for two parents to be mm. in their child's lives, even if that parent does have some pretty manipulative behaviors. But yet, still, they realize, well, we'll do the fifty percent arrangement, and I'm going to be that rock of a parent, standing firm, standing strong, 
so that my child, if there is any weird stuff that happens, you know, like mm. that I will always be that rock of Gibraltar. And <laughs> now, even though you're mentioning that there's evidence to say that, of course, having two parents in a child's life is beneficial, but to flip that, actually, you only need one good parent. My friend really lives by that. One great, loving, affectionate parent can really make all the difference for a child. So absolutely and you know we're talking about situations as and there's so many different permutations so you know when we're talking about some of the more generalist approaches we're talking about you know a mainstream setup and understand that there are situations where it's not possible mm. and you you're completely right there you know you do only need one one solid parent and even that you know one flakyish parent and you can still you know there's still ways to survive yeah. and still turn out to be you know a really decent person with a happy life so mm-hmm. it's not saying that you absolutely have to have two parents but all permutations and and situations are possible and yeah. it is always about assessing things from your personal perspective mm-hmm. but trying to do that with some objectivity which is incredibly difficult when you've yeah. just left a relationship and you're feeling quite wounded yes I'm seeing that bubble baths and spa days are essential <laughs> to get <laughs> to get you through this difficult time. Mm. Yeah, I think the the final thing I'll say before we move on, because I feel like we need to move on to the question soon, is remember that, and this is quite a difficult thing as time goes by and where your separation ends up being um, almost longer than the time that you were together. Remember, we all change. Uh-huh. And I see this quite frequently in, in couples that have split. We're still judging people on who they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, And going back to that situation there where you talked about, you know, maybe the ex was a little bit volatile and and there's a question mark there. People do change and people do react differently because they themselves will, could be potentially doing some, you know, some inner work or some exploration about who who they are. Mm -hmm. Or maybe when they were in that relationship, it was just a bad combination for both parties. Mm. And now you've got out of them, there's a, there's a fresh perspective on both sides Mm -hmm. and actually you see things differently and you react differently. So there can be this danger where we kind of still think that we know our ex because we still Mm. feel so intrinsically linked Mm. to them especially when we've got children Mm. and there can be that danger point that we then make some assumptions Mm -hmm. and some judgments that actually aren't true. Now that is amazing to think that your partner your ex-partner may not actually be the same person that they were with you and that they are in your brain. Mm. And you can test that theory and play it out by just looking at your own existence so how am I different to how I was and you know I can almost almost guarantee that people will say yes I am a different person so if you're a different person why could that not Ah. be the same truth for your ex-partner that's a nice perspective Mm. another reason to open your mind and keep and sort of look at the drama from within and just you know allow other possibilities in yeah I think keep trying to understand each other, keep trying to be compassionate to each other's needs and really use that North Star as being, we want the best for the children. So Mm. if you stay with that as your North Star and always come back to that, what is the best thing right now for the children? That'll put you in a strong position, I think. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Sarah. This is so valuable. Yeah. So who can tell that I'm a (laughs) (laughs) co-parent? Speaking right from the trenches. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah. And do you know what? It's not all bad. 
I promise. I mean, honestly, I've only seen rosy things from your perspective <laughs> because from what I see is you really have walked the talk. Hmm. I do try and it's every yeah. day is not easy. There are challenging times. So. Yeah. But on the upside, the fact that you have acquiesced to a shared custody arrangement means that at least three days out of the week, you're not having to eat darn chicken all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let them go to the other house and then you can eat and do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, if you do it for no other reason than to explore different foods a few yeah. nights a week, do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or not have like the same annoying music. I guess, coming up from their bedrooms or whatnot. Or like, yeah, maybe some time to actually be able to clean your son's room, you know, get in yeah, there. and kind of try not to do that too often. <laughs> it's a bit of a nuclear waste zone, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's got that teenage smell in it. Oh, mm. gosh, I Lovely tell you. Teenage boy smell. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's yum, nothing yum. like it. Oh. All right, well... um, I know, I know there's many people out there who are in this situation and living it on a daily basis. So I hope that that helped. And um, we've just kind of shared some of the things that do go on. And just remember, whatever's coming up for you, it's real. And mm. and it's only a moment in time. So beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful summary on a on a beautiful hot topic. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right. So ready for a question? Yeah, let's go. I was going to ask, though, are we still mm. dry January? <laughs> oh, we are. Although oh. there was one of our group who temporarily <gasps> stepped off the wagon. <gasps> and what's the punishment for doing so? Oh, there's no punishment. It's acknowledgement that it's a tough gig and it's not for everybody. But they have done two weeks, which is amazing. And nice. it's quite easy just to step back on and carry on doing the rest. Nice. It was a, it was a blip. So. Oh. Yeah, there was a supportive wraparound to say, come oh. on, you can still do it. Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> funny. I'm thinking like, you know, I always laugh and you mentioned that your partner fell off the chair when you heard that you were doing this. Mm. But isn't it funny? You're the one standing strong. Yeah. And you're not saying I told you so or resorting to some of the other less mature responses when one of your group steps off the wagon. So yeah. good for you. Yeah. Good for you know, to lean into um, support. I actually, I was talking about this at the weekend. This is probably the easiest one that I've done in all the years I've been doing it. Do you think it's because of pandemic? Well, I was wondering that because there's nothing else going on. Like, there's nobody doing anything. There's no, you can't go to anybody's house. You can't yeah. celebrate anything. You can't go out to the pub. You mm -hmm. can't go even for a meal. There's nothing going on. Yeah. So I kind of do think that that makes it easier. So it's either that or I'm just used to doing it or maybe I'm kind of okay with it. Who knows? We'll find out this time next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when hopefully we're not in a global pandemic. Oh, for God's sakes, please no. <laughs> oh. oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, no, still going strong. Thank you for asking. Good for you. All right. <laughs> well, we're going to meander then to a question uh, yes. in good spirits, but without any alcohol. So yes. some dry spirits. So, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Whenever I'm in a relationship that's going well, I seem to sabotage things. Why is that? Oh, this is so common. Massively so. Oh, it's so common. And wonderful that they're even aware that they're sabotaging it. Because what's the usual refrain? Yes. I end up finding the same guy or girl 
But it's another state of consciousness to realize like maybe I'm responsible for the path it takes. Yes. So that, yeah, so the sabotage often lives in the subconscious and we don't know what's happening, as Anna says, so we don't even have the awareness. So you're right, it is bloody amazing that this person really kind of knows that something's going on. The fact that this person really is aware that there's something happening, you know, we don't know how far that awareness goes, but the fact that it's even there as a a glimmer is is just truly amazing. Yes. Because often this plays out in the subconscious and we kind of go through this cycle, we don't even know we're in this cycle. And often things that come up are withdrawal, picking a fight with your partner so they demonstrate that they love you the fuck it and run button like that's it i'm out of here <laughs> fuck it and run button anna and i know that one Ooh. all too well yep. so yeah that kind of like you know hands up i'm over can't do it anymore the withdrawal yep. the silent treatment the contempt behavior contentious behavior you know there's all manner of things that come up when we do this yeah. self-sabotage thing yeah and a lot of the time we're not even aware that we're doing this yeah exactly And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the outcome starts to pattern in the same way. Yeah. And then we say, oh, well, life is like this. This is my destiny. Or all guys are like this. Or all girls are like this or whatnot. And then what's really interesting is, so the person on the other side (laughs) that's dealing with all of this hasn't got a clue what's going on. So they see this, they see it as quite a yo-yo behavior. So like one minute, everything's great. And then the next minute we're in this you know, the sudden depths of conflict and despair. And I have no idea how we suddenly got here. And it can be like lighting a blue touch paper, right? So Mm -hmm. just instantly that spark and away you've got this massive flame and this eruption and neither party know what's going on. Yes. Now that is interesting that actually neither partner knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it may be responsible for this really horrifying thing of ghosting where where if you're the victim of ghosting where things have been going so well and then all of a sudden you don't hear from somebody for months and actually that comes up a lot mm-hmm. and so one of the reasons for ghosting may be somebody feeling like the relationship is going too well getting too close or so forth or really starting to challenge these inner messages which are negative by the way Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> and then they will do something catastrophic to put a spanner in the wheel. Yeah. And ghosting could very well be one of those behaviors to interrupt a relationship because it was just kind of going too great. Yeah. The drawbridge comes up and you're way back mm-hmm. in your castle. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the messages for the person who starts to realize that they may be the common denominator in this, that their behavior yeah. may be sabotaging, mm. what are some of the messages, internal messages, that may be driving this phenomenon? Yeah. So before we get to that, I would say if you are this person and you recognize this behavior, I would say the first thing that you need to do is congratulate yourself. Oh, yes. So congratulate yourself yes. for recognizing this yeah. and being you know, if you're not fully aware, even just starting to build some awareness there. So well done and celebrate that fact. And then the second thing I would say is your past does not define your future. Mm -hmm. Now we've said this before on the podcast, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. It doesn't dictate who you are. So you've got a chance now to intercept it. Mm -hmm. So you've got a chance to choose a new behavior and to choose something else. And it may feel, and it probably will feel, terribly uncomfortable yeah yeah. so we start to get into the territory of feeling vulnerable here 
but there's a massive reward for vulnerability. So as soon as we open ourselves up and share some of the things that we're feeling, um, not only does that get out of our head, so it starts to reduce the power that those thoughts have over us, but it also allows the other person to open up too. So they might have other feelings of uneasiness or other forms of sabotage that they're going through or other negative messages that are in the head maybe they don't feel like they're worthy of the relationship either and it's manifesting in a different way in them so you start to open up that space then to be able to have a conversation about it really honestly and the best relationships are based on genuine thoughts and discussions and conversations wow yeah I feel like I'm on one today. Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wonderful. This is so thought provoking. Thank you. And it's funny because my instinct was to be like, okay, let's dive in and do the work. And you said, no, 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 no. Hold on here. Just yeah. the fact that you're already on the road to building consciousness is just yeah. tremendous. And I, and I don't think you can dive in and do the work because it's a slowish process to mm-hmm. take some small steps, mm-hmm. see how things feel gradually you need to move out of your comfort zone that then becomes a comfort zone and then you take another step forward into the next part that feels uncomfortable Uh, and you slowly over time you can build on that I think if you try and do too much too soon you'll probably not succeed and then you'll it comes back to that self-perpetuating thought you'll go oh well yeah I'm just a failure I'm rubbish at relationships Mm. which is often a message that comes up oh yeah I'm crap at relationships yeah yeah so if that's a message that you're telling yourself you're not it just means that you haven't worked out the right combination for you yet yeah yeah. and you haven't maybe met the right person to try that combination out with oh very true yes because if we have a voice in our head about that certain messages and we're drawn to certain Mm. people and then we sabotage those relationships perhaps we're not actually choosing the people who are best suited or best equipped to be able to do because if we are meeting certain people because we're in a certain stage we need a certain thing Mm. whether or not it's good for us is totally different then if we're starting to look at doing making some small steps to a different behavior we may want to actually attract a different kind of person to us for that work absolutely so this Mm. this cycle of self-sabotage will continue unless it's dealt with and we will only attract people who help us with that self-sabotage yeah so we're inviting people and this is a really weird concept to get your head around but subconsciously we're inviting people into our lives Mm -hmm. who will help us with that cycle and it seems really weird right because you go well why would the mind do that but the mind is programmed to protect you but it doesn't know the difference between real danger and perceived danger. Yeah. So the mind is then working to protect you from something that's actually perceived danger. And that protection is usually where it's trying to protect us from disappointment, from embarrassment. Yeah. yeah. And so it often would have us in the nunnery or in, you know, <laughs> stu- at home, never leaving home. You know, our brain is ultimately saying, don't ever do anything. Don't risk anything. Don't engage yeah. in anything and just be a hermit on a mountaintop yeah. lest you get hurt or disappointed. Yeah. And I think everyone can st- look at that and be like, no, I, I actually do want to in- enjoy a relationship and get out there and take opportunities. And so you've got to actually start to change your relationship with that voice in your head. Yeah. So if you never play the game, you can't get hurt. Yeah. But if you never play the game, you can't experience a different level of fun and enjoyment. Yeah. And the the beautiful thing about coming to realization of I'm sabotaging these relationships is (laughs) I do want to enjoy fulfillment. I do want to connect with somebody. 
I don't always want to have a relationship running off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. That gives such a great sense of agency. Hey, just to imagine Mm. like, it's so hard to wrap your brain around the fact that your brain is actually creating an outcome or writing the story for you in a way Mm. that doesn't actually serve you. Yeah. But once you do realize that that is actually in your control, then the world is to your making really yeah so there's some I think there's some questions then that you start to ask yourself so when you can feel these patterns coming up you feel this behavior of self-sabotage emerging actually you know we said before there about pausing taking some time out mm. you know put yourself in a bit of a pause yeah. and then ask the question why are these feelings coming up for me yeah what's triggered it what started it what is different in this moment that wasn't present, mm. you know, an hour ago, two hours ago yesterday when I was feeling okay? Really check in with that switch. Where did the mm. switch happen? When did it happen? Mm. What caused it? Mm. And then you'll start to really see some of the reasons for the behavior. So maybe, yeah. you know, let's play out this scenario. It might be that, oh, well, he told me that he loved me and I felt, oh. I felt like that was pressure or... I felt like that was too difficult. So I withdrew and I felt panicked and I can't be there because last time somebody said that they loved me, they hurt me. So it could be that that's coming up. Mm. So in that scenario, the next stage would then be to say, well, okay, but what's different about now that wasn't Mm. the same the last time I did get hurt? Mm. How are those two situations not the same? Because it won't be because there's no two people that are the same. Yeah. So there will be differences and it's trying to kind of drill into that. So the the mind uses past experiences to help us with the future, to stop us from getting hurt. But it gets it wrong sometimes because it looks at it from a, you know, a more simplistic point of view. Mm. That is an amazing insight. Nice. So what kind of tools or tips or self-care do you find is helpful for folks when they're starting to make these little roads. Every step is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be one step at a time. What do you think are the resources to hold close? I think it's knowing something about yourself in terms of what has worked for you in the past when you've met a challenging situation. Mm. So, you know, we've talked before about journaling on on the podcast, but it's not for everybody. Mm. So if journaling isn't your thing, don't do it. Mm. Um, <laughs> there's, there's the thing, you've got permission not to do what anyone <laughs> tells you to. Yeah. You know, maybe going for a walk is your thing or maybe just um, taking 24, saying I'm going to put the brakes on for 24 hours and I'm not going to, I'm just going to let things percolate. Maybe that's your thing. Mm. You know, maybe doing something entirely different is your thing. So find the thing that's your thing that helps you get some separation. Mm -hmm. But in doing so, communicate that that's what you're doing. So don't just shut down. Just, you know, use the words. I'm feeling a bit funny about some things right now Mm. and I'm just going to take 24 hours. There's nothing to worry about. I just need some space to think through some thoughts that are coming up for me. So asking, you know, for that time out, explaining that there's nothing to worry about and then allowing that space. So if you're the partner that hears that, allow that, let that happen. Have faith that the relationship is stronger and can deal with a 24 hour pause. You know, if you're the person giving it, make sure that you're giving it with some reassurance Mm. as you share that message and then come back to the table and have a conversation Mm. about it. Nice. And if the relationship has enough trust, you may say something like, well, what's coming for me, I always like to sort of really share my feelings. I love sharing my feelings. And mm-hmm. and something would be, you know, I've never allowed myself to have a relationship that is this close and connected. Yeah. And as a result of which, I'm going into territory that I've never been in. Mm. 
And my first instinct is always to cut and run or do this and that. But this is something, my relationship with you is important enough that I want to keep moving forward. And I've never done this before. And it may help to really share rather than like, well, or not rather than, in addition Mm -hmm. to saying, I need to sort of take a moment. But the reason why is because I've never allowed somebody into my life this close before. Yeah. And as a partner, I'd like to hear that like, oh, it's not just somebody's wanting to take a break from me. It's that I am special enough that this is the first time they've ever ventured to do this work. Yeah. Beautifully put, Anna. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would um, wish for you to be on their shoulder as they're facing those challenges. Yeah. (laughs) Whispering in in their ear. (laughs) Replacing that negative message with a positive message. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is about having the courage to be able to say that. And I know that can be quite difficult. And we've talked before about, you know, communicating in different ways. So, Mm. you know, I'm not a big fan of, of sharing things by text that are quite tricky and challenging. But if that's the only way you can get the words out Mm. go for the only thing not the nothing um Ah, because there's nothing worse than not knowing what's going on in somebody else's head is there and we get a lot of that i think in relationships particularly in the early days where you're more potentially in that self-sabotage phase as you're getting to know each other you know that we get a lot of second guessing that goes on at that time so you know any which way you can to communicate to allay some of those fears on both sides you know, is the best way to be. Oh, agreed. Because if you're not supplying the content, their own brains are going to make up the content. And it's always going to be more negative and fantastical than your content. Yeah. So it only serves people to know what's going on in your own brain so that they don't have to actually take this imaginative, you know, script writing course to come up with like this worst case scenario. Yeah. And we've got such amazing brains. Our imagination is so powerful, but it can work against us in those situations yeah. where, you know, before long you've imagined some sort of affair going on when they've only been gone yeah. for 20 minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Who hasn't done this? Yeah. <laughs> well, they clearly must hate me because they've not responded. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny because I, and I, we work as coaches with this all the time when mm. we say, wow, that's really, really hard to believe that this Mm. person is having an affair because you haven't heard from them. Do you absolutely know that to be true? Well, then no. So what might be another explanation? And the other explanation may be, it's not all about you. (laughs) It's the hardest thing that my clients have to... But all this to say is that if you are then, as you're stepping through towards consciously starting to rewrite your story Mm. from sabotage to actually facilitating beautiful relationship... It is good to check in because the just knowing the human tendency is no one can read your brain and yeah. if they try to, they're going to get it dead wrong most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that telepathy thing still doesn't work. It still doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Although there are occasions when my other, <laughs> when my other half will go, I know exactly what you want to say right now. <laughs> and? Ge- well, generally they're not kind words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 I agree. I'm the same. I'm the same. Um, I've been there too. Yeah. Or I'm sat there thinking, fuck off, you twat. And he turns around and says, no, I won't. Oh. <laughs> and the words haven't come out of my mouth. Oh, that's spooky. <laughs> so, yeah, oh. maybe sometimes it works and they do get it right. Yeah. But on true. the whole, I agree with you. We generally get it wrong and it doesn't really work. Yeah. Oh, this is great, though. It's, I think <laughs> that our listeners have a, a few strategies in their toolkit to start to look at 
realizing that maybe there's a self-sabotage situation going on is then when you're looking at the next mountain, you've got to mm. feel tools in your toolkit. Yeah. And just know that it's that it can only get easier from there on in because you've recognized the situation and um, you've acknowledged you want to do something about it. So it can only get easier from there on as you take small steps and action to move yourself forward. And don't be afraid to take those steps single. Yeah. If you feel like you're in a relationship that's actually not a healthy place for you to be working on this particular, maybe that person as we said, they served the person who was a self-sabotager, but maybe that it's not the person with which to strike forward in a healthy fashion. So if you mm. have to do some of this work single. Yeah, but that raises a point for me, actually. Another thought, though, is this self-sabotage thing doesn't just come up in intimate relationships. It comes up with friends all the time oh, as well. Yeah. And jobs. Because, yeah, 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 it comes up with friends. It comes up with relationships with your peers, yeah. with your boss. If you have got this pattern of self-sabotage yeah. and you don't address it, it will show up and manifest in all areas because you're still the same person. Those thoughts are still the same. It's Absolutely. not just connected with your romantic relationships. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I don't deserve it. I'm not yeah. good enough. I'm not smart enough. You'll show up at a job interview with that written yeah. all over your face. Yeah, but you'll do it with your friends. You'll withdraw from them. You'll. Yeah. You'll get upset by something that they've said. You won't be honest about how you're feeling. You'll start to see jealousy creep in about other relationships that they've got. You'll see it show up in different ways. It'll be there. Oh, so true. Mm. Yeah. So your whole life is an opportunity to work on this then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Nice. Well, it's a little workout. Yeah. (laughs) I always feel like it's a mental workout when we've done the podcast as we dig deep and explore different ideas. I mean, it's hard work. That's why most people stick in their old patterns. Oh, absolutely. It is hard work, but it's so rewarding. Yeah, I was just about to utter the same words. Yeah, if you go through it and challenge some of your own thinking, the reward on the other side is just so much sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful words. Well. Well, thank you for your perspectives. Yeah, thank you for sharing conversation. I learned a lot gosh hopefully that helps the listeners and just gets your thought processes flowing as well yes absolutely and the days are still getting longer by about some seven eight minutes a day so we're (laughs) we're heading to all of us in the northern hemisphere we're slowly marching to summer guys no it doesn't feel like it (laughs) and as marking them off on the calendar oh my gosh yeah day by day (laughs) they say it is darkest before the dawn yes so oh that makes me want to sing that's in that um Florence and the Machines song isn't it oh gosh oh sing I can't think of the song right now no (laughs) no not today (laughs) but thank you for the invitation we we haven't sung in a few podcasts (laughs) oh but you're bopping your head to it you're like oh I'm thinking of it (laughs) I think it's the one that's got the devil on my back in it and there's devil on my back God. Anyway, I'm not singing. You're not. You're not coercing me into I was. It. I'm like, come on, come on, give us a bar. <laughs> no, no, I shan't, and you can't make me. <laughs> well, in February, after February second, when we've got some mojitos <laughs> sitting on your desk, uh, you're going to be singing. <laughs> Let's see. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. So this time next week, we will be recording with you in Canada. I believe. Yes. Mm. Actually, that remains to be so We do need to talk about that because okay. it's the actual day <laughs> or, I drive or out. not, as the case may be. <laughs> we may actually still, I may actually record this podcast and then get in my car and head to the border. So it'll Ooh. be my like, 
convict escape podcast episode. <laughs> well, let's see. Who knows where we'll be recording from? <laughs> but we will be here with you next week. That's yeah. The, that's Wherever the only it thing is, we, know. we will bring it. Absolutely. Don't you worry. Can't leave you now, guys. This is no. the critical. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, stick with us. We'll stick with you. And please share our lovely podcast with all of your friends yeah. and family. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Oh. So till next week, then, my lovely. Till next week, Sarah. All right. Have a good week ahead. Yeah, too. Bye. Bye. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.